Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. Today, we're celebrating Christ with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's the story of Jesus, God's Son, who came to earth to be with us. It's the story of a baby born, laid in a manger, And I wanna take you to the moment in scripture right after that moment, in Luke 2, verse eight. Because as we see what happens next, we begin to understand for ourselves the power of the message of Christmas. So here it is, in Luke chapter two, verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and they were filled with great Fear, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So turn to your neighbor and say, Good news, great joy. Good news, great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And the theme of this Christmas at Keystone and the title of this message is this, good news, great joy. And that is our prayer for you this Christmas, that you would receive God's good news and that you would leave with great, great joy. That's our prayer. Let's go to the setting. Here the shepherds are just outside of Bethlehem. Now Susan and I had a powerful opportunity to actually go to Israel this last year and it's even more significant with the way the world is right now. We were able to go to Bethlehem and sit and you can see the shepherds fields behind us in this picture. You can see how this vast expanse of of really just land where the shepherds would be tending the sheep. On this valley, you can look over and see the lights of the city, the town at that time of Bethlehem. So they would be just on the outskirts of the town in a rural area, and the shepherds themselves, let me tell you a little bit about shepherds. There were two kinds of shepherds. There were the family members who were shepherds. And we learned from Jesus that family members who were Shepherds, they had skin in the game. So even Jesus said that a son would lay down his life for the sheep. So a family member, they had a heart and soul for the, for, the, for the sheep that they were protecting. It was their livelihood, it was their life. 
There were also hired servants, hired shepherds. And we learn in the Bible that they would not usually lay down their lives for the sheep. It's kind of the, I'm not getting paid enough for this. And so they, they, they had a little different level of skin in the game. We're not sure exactly who, was it family members, was it hired shepherds, or was it some combination of both, but we do know this, they were at nighttime. And the interesting thing about that is that means they had worked all day long. Shepherds worked all day long. It was a constant job. They were constantly leading the sheep to food and leading the sheep to water, and then they had an extra job getting the sheep that had wandered back with the others. And everybody at that time that would hear that analogy or you'd hear the story of the shepherds, they all understood what shepherds did because shepherds were crucial. Shepherds were an essential worker in that economy. But even though it was an essential job, it was a very valuable job for the economy, it wasn't a treasured job. It wasn't a job that you would aspire toward because they had to work all day and then they had to work all night. All night long, they were guarding the sheep from predators, because sheep are easy prey, and they were guarding the sheep from, from thieves. So outlaws and predators all night long. So here you catch the shepherds. They're probably sleepy. They're probably weary. They're telling stories, maybe singing songs. They're just trying to keep each other awake. They're talking about that one little lamb that keeps getting away, and they're just hanging out. It's just another night, and then Wham, the next character on the scene arrives, an angel, an angel. This angel is not named, but we have lots of inclination that it was the same angel that made it known to Mary what was happening and how she would bear God's son, Gabriel. We believe, I believe it was the archangel Gabriel, though he is not named here, but if it is the archangel Gabriel, we have an idea of what he would look like. Now, artists throughout Christian history have completely let us down when it comes to painting and depicting angels. So I want us all on the same page on what an angel would look like for the shepherds that night. Now, I wanna show you what it's not. In the 1500s, the master artist Raphael, he took a stab at painting angels. This is what he painted. That's a fail, swing and a miss, okay? I don't think these chubby little angels, these chubby little cherubs are gonna make any shepherd scared. You know, just flopping on the little wings that couldn't carry that chubby little body. Fear not. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm glad that we're not left to the artist to know what the angel would look like because if you go to Daniel chapter 10, we have preserved in the text a picture, a rare detailed picture of an angel that many scholars believe is the angel Gabriel. So let's go to Daniel chapter 10 and take a look at what a real angel looks like and what the angel that appeared to these shepherds would have looked like. Daniel 10, six, his body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared 
like a vast multitude of people. Now that's a picture of an angel that would strike fear. This is an otherworldly being that would strike fear in those toughened shepherds. So this picture, strength, power, glory. This picture in Daniel 10 is so strong that Daniel, who had followed God for decades, he was knocked down on the ground and out cold. Just the sheer power of being the presence of this angelic being. So it's no shock that the shepherds would be quaking in fear. And it wasn't their their weakness that made them afraid. I believe all of us would experience a withdrawing effect from that level of glory. They were reflecting the glory of God. They had brought the glory of God with, he had brought the glory of God with him. I believe it wasn't their weakness that caused them to quake. It was their humanity. And understand this, my friend, we all bring into this room our own humanity. In the midst of that, the angel spoke to the fallen state of these shepherds and said, fear not, fear not. For I bring you good news, great joy to all people. We all need some good news, don't we? This Christmas, as I've been out and I've talked with others and invited people and talked to them, and I begin to have a conversation with with people and talking to them about coming to church, and I begin to hear about how people are carrying many, many burdens this year. And a lot of people are needing some good news this year. Whether the bad news that you're hearing is whenever you turn on the television or watch your show or watch the news or you're scrolling and you see the news there, you have something that pops into your email and it's just bad news here, bad news there, bad news there. Wars, rumors of wars, inflation, economic doom, housing crisis, everywhere, bad news. And if you've had any kind of symptoms of illness or anything like that, you go and you Google those symptoms, bad idea, bad idea. Doom and gloom, you'll be depressed for a week. Don't do that. We have a lot of opportunities to be discouraged. And bad news is everywhere in the world. But a lot of us, we bring our own weight into this room. The bad news for you are not, it's not popping onto the the news flash and others are not reporting of it, but it's heavy for you because you feel financial pressure this year. You have relational pressure. You have a broken heart, kids are rebelling. The, the, somebody walked out of your life and it's broken your heart or the wrong person walked in to your life and it's breaking others' hearts. And whatever the situation you may find yourself in, no matter what burden you find yourself in, you're in a church today that believes in the good news that the crucified and risen Christ is Lord, that that baby came to lift the burden that you can walk in this life victorious. Do you agree with me on that? That's the message of Christmas. Good news, good news, great joy. Let's break down that good news just in case you missed it. There is good news ultimately in the face of bad news. He said, fear not, good news, great joy, but he was speaking to their fear. I wanna speak and define the good 
by outlining the bad. Here's some bad news. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means all of us are sinners. That's bad news because sin by its nature separates us from the holiness of God. And so if all of us have sinned, we bring that sin into this room and I can almost read thought bubbles. There's a couple of you going, I don't know, man. I'm I'm on a pretty good streak. I'm doing pretty good. I don't know that I agree with you. I don't think I'm the sinner. Well, you have the sin of pride, my friend. So we're all sinners. We're all in here. As we say here at Keystone, there's no perfect people in this room. Not a perfect pastor, not a perfect singer, not a perfect anything. We're all imperfect because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Good news. Jesus has the authority to forgive us of our sins. Even in Luke chapter five, we see that in verse 20, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. He's exercising his authority to forgive sin. Your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now, they were wrong and they were right. They were wrong and they were right. They were wrong that it was blasphemy, but they were right that only God can forgive sins. Because what do we know? Jesus is God, and he has the authority and the power to forgive sins. And that's good news for us today. That's good news for us today. And that means we have the good news that anything that is weighing you down, God's shoulders are big enough to carry it. God's shoulders are big enough to carry it. So anything that would leave you depressed this season, anything that makes you feel alone this season, anything that makes you feel isolated this season, any any burden that you're carrying, his shoulders are big enough to carry. If if you're, you're down about what seems to be the unraveling of the social fabric of our society, God's got this. God's got this. You worried about another political year with an election coming up. Listen, God's on his throne. God's on his throne. We've got good news, and we of all people should have great joy. Good news is available to every single one of us, and he doesn't stop there. He says, good news, great joy. Great joy, joy. When I was growing up, I grew up in church, and by growing up in church, I went to the kids' class. We called it Sunday school. And in Sunday school, I learned a song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, there's some Sunday school people. There they are. I've got the joy in my heart. You know, there's some people that have a wrong view of what it means to follow Jesus because they think that following Jesus makes you kind of unhappy like you're a sanctified sourpuss. And we're the least enjoyable people on the planet Earth. We have the least amount of fun. We're the killjoy. We're the last to be invited to the party. It's almost like it gave gave rise to the, the 90s picture of the church lady, you know? Very few of you are getting that. It's, it's, the joke is getting older every year. The only reason something like that would be funny is because there was truth embedded in it, that everybody had met that person, just an unhappy, miserable person. Can I just give you news? 
When you understand the good news, it brings great joy. So this room should be the most joyful, rejoicing group of people on planet Earth. When we leave here, we leave here with great joy. Christians should be the happiest people on planet Earth. We should feel the joy of God because our joy is a stubborn joy. It's a weather-resistant, drought-resistant kind of joy. Because our joy is not anchored on how much money's in your bank account. Our joy is not anchored in the relationships that you have. Our joy is not anchored on your Christmas plans and how awesome and photogenic those plans are. Our joy is anchored on a sure foundation that Christ loves you and he proved and demonstrated his love for you by going to the cross for your sins and he proved that he was God by conquering death so that you could have life and that's reason for good news. It is our great joy this Christmas. So this is a happy church. Joy is a deep feeling. It's not mere happiness. You know, we say, oh, I just want to be happy. Why settle for happiness when you could have joy? Don't stop at happiness. Joy is happiness times a thousand. Joy is happiness on steroids because it's anchored and produced by the Holy Spirit of God. You can have that kind of joy. You can have the kind of joy that, that I believe it's Proverbs 35, the Bible says that weeping lasts through the night but joy comes in the morning for the Christ follower. For those of us that have put our faith and trust in Christ, there's always joy at the end of weeping. And that's your promise. So if you're going through a season this Christmas, understand joy is on the horizon. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Is today the day you take that big, big leap of faith? Is today the day you put your full trust in Jesus? You say, I'm leaving here following Jesus. I will be named among the Christ followers. There's no doubt about it. I'm a Christian today. Then God's gonna bring you great joy. And if you'll trust us, if you'll walk with us at this church, at this church, we'll teach you how to have great joy. Am I right, Keystone Church? We will teach you, I don't know, I didn't get a very healthy, am I right, Keystone Church? I'm lying, I'm dying. We will teach you how to have great joy. We laugh here, we enjoy fellowship here, we enjoy uh, the, the connection with God here. You will have great joy, but it didn't stop there. Good news, great joy, all people. What did it say in verse 10? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want this? Here's the good news. Heaven is not a party for a select few. The invited against the uninvited. Have you ever seen some kind of party? And you're like, oh, what do you do to get an invitation to that party? Heaven is a party, and guess what? Everybody is invited. When Jesus came to earth, it was for all people. And when Jesus came, are you ready for this? He did not come bringing judgment. He came bringing joy. And that joy was for all people, all people. And so here's the deal. We have an opportunity. Just reflect on this. God is the one who moved the hand of the Roman emperor 
to sign a decree that people should be accounted for, for a census. He moved the pen of the Roman emperor and guided that decision so that at just the right time, Mary, carrying Jesus with her husband, Joseph, faith-filled Joseph, carrying Jesus, she and he would find their way back home to Bethlehem at just the right time, at the peak of time. And at just the right time, they entered into Bethlehem. And you'd think it was at just the wrong time because there was no room at the end. You'd think a God that can control the Roman emperor, couldn't he get him the room? No, he didn't. This was not an accident. This was not poor planning. This was God bringing Mary and Joseph into utter humility that when that royal baby was born, it would match the humility of any baby born on earth. And understand this. It was in fulfillment of prophecies that had been written so many years before. and People had held those prophecies close into their heart and now being fulfilled in that way. God was saying, if I come like this, understand I'm here for everybody. You know, in England, when the royals have a baby, everybody's watching. Paparazzi, the magazines, all of us are watching as the royals have their baby. Nobody was watching when the ultimate royal came to earth. Nobody was watching. And so it had to be announced. And the first recipients, shepherds. That's an unusual way to announce a king was to shepherds. Again, what is God doing? He is saying, I'm gonna go to an occupation that nobody wants and I'm gonna take them to a place that nobody would visit on a vacation and I'm gonna have you laid in a manger, a filthy feeding trough where no one would lay a baby and it's all a sign that something is happening, something different. And fast forward to the ultimate sign. There is a sign coming where Christ was on the cross and it was a sign that God was taking on the sin of mankind. When I was a kid, there was a picture that meant a lot to me. And it helped me understand the message of Jesus. And it looks like this. On, on one side, you have people, you have humanity. And we're separated from God, from our sin. The holiness of God, we are separated from God because of our sin, because of the holiness of God cannot by its nature tolerate or be in the presence of sin. So we were doomed. No good deeds can leap over that valley of sin. No amount of trying to be better, no amount of charitable giving, no amount of volunteering, none of it. No amount of kind words, none of it could leap over that, that chasm. So something had to happen. You know what had to happen? What did Jesus look like on the cross? He is the bridge. And we walk over his shoulders to get back to God. The Bible says, he who knew no sin, he became our sin. He became our sin. Which means that whatever you've been through, you're not alone. He felt it. He experienced it. 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took our sin. We got his righteousness. So my invitation to you today, maybe that helps. Are you ready to walk on the shoulders of Jesus? This is the Christmas message, to get right with God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray out loud, and I'm gonna invite you to repeat after me. And we're gonna do something that is done in church, been done for 2,000 years. We're gonna pray together out loud, like a confession. And even if you've prayed to receive Christ before and you've been a Christ follower for many years like myself, I'm gonna ask you to pray out loud. And the reason, A, remind yourself of the good news that's, that's been done for you, but also to give courage to the people around you who are praying for the very first time. So would you pray after me? And if this is your first time to put your full faith and trust in God, pray out loud and mean it with your heart. And it begins this, just pray after me. God, I know I'm a sinner. You went to the cross for my sin. You conquered death to give me life. I'm in. Save me. Adopt me. May I never be the same again. My friend, if you just prayed to receive Christ and you meant it with your heart, the angels are rejoicing like they did in that shepherd's field. They are rejoicing right now, yes. So here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, heads bowed and eyes closed, we're gonna give some privacy. If you prayed and you meant it, now all of us spoke, but if you prayed and you meant it, you raise your hand. Again, we're not gonna, we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna come talk to you. We won't find you in the lobby. We have some already raising their hands. One, when I get to the number three, just shoot that hand up like you mean it. Two, don't think about the person to your left or to your right. This is between you and God. This is your new moment, my friend. Are you ready? Hands up, three, all over the room, hands up. This is my moment. I'm saying, God, my hand's in the air like I'm praising God, like I'm saying hi to God, like, God, here I am, your child. Take my hand, God, like a child reaching up for the hand of a father. Yes, we thank you, God. You can put your hands down. Now I'm gonna ask you all, would you stand to your feet? And as you stand to your feet, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna pray, and when I'm done praying, we're gonna sing, and you can move to be baptized. If your hand was up, we want you to be baptized today. If you've come today and you've never been baptized biblically, where you go under the water, my old life is gone. I'm out of the water, my new life has begun. Today's your day. God, I pray courage in this room as we be baptized today on this Christmas season. What a great way to say, I get it. It's not just about the gifts. It's about you, God, your presence filling me, God. It's about me walking with you, God. So today's my day this Christmas. In Jesus' name, we pray. Are you ready, church? Let's move. And let's encourage those who are going to be baptized. They're already moving. Let's encourage them. Come on. People are moving up there, over there. Come on. Let's encourage them. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.